He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. I was very lucky to um, bump into hospitality. I originally came from the NGO sector um, and I was looking for a job and I found one um, at a hotel in Brussels in Belgium and it was an amazing experience and I knew right away that's going to be my life. Um, so after about a week, I knew this is what I will do. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And I'm your host, Will Slickers. And today I have my friend Christoph Hutter from Ottawa, Canada. I'm uh, excited because we actually have been talking for quite a bit via LinkedIn and have been uh, revenue geeks on the social media platform that, like I just said, is called LinkedIn. And so finally to have him on the show is such an honor. So Christoph, welcome to Slick Talk, my friend. How are you doing today? Thank you very much, Will. It's my honor, and I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Of course. It's been a long time coming, but I'm excited, so let's just jump right in. I want to hear everything about Christoph. What's your story, and what is your background, my friend? Um, well, uh, as I said in the intro, I was very lucky to bump into hospitality. Um, I was I was looking for a job, and um, the, the, the great thing that just happened to me was I had a couple of offers. Um, I was living in Austria at the time, but I wanted to move to Belgium and I had a couple of offers. One of them was at a hotel and I really connected with the front office manager, a great guy, um, a great mentor. And um, I, I really, I, I owe him big thanks for, for, for everything that I, that I achieved. Um, he, he really set me up. The, the funny thing is that the hotel um, was an Italian hotel in Brussels. Um, Brussels is a is a officially a bilingual city with uh, French predominantly and Dutch as a second language. I didn't speak either of them, but I spoke Italian and my my mother tongue is German, so that helped. Um, and of course, I spoke English as well. So um, these three languages landed me the job, and uh, it was it was an amazing experience. Um, and uh yeah i'm 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 i haven't changed my mind on that ever since <laughs> is there a particular reason that it keeps you so like just excited or is there a reason like where you're like oh yeah there, i i know you bumped into it and this is like such a cool uh, i think entry point being able to speak three languages and so now you have like or opportunity to connect with guests and and your staff and to you know, to do multiple things at once. So is that, is that what kind of drives you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's the people that are, that are so interesting. Um, you know, at, at first it was amazing to meet people from all over the world, all the guests that came and stayed with us. It was a really fancy hotel and um, there were a lot of, uh, you know, people, uh, government officials and, and uh, business tycoons and, and all, all sorts of uh, people. We had uh, really, really names. I'm not going to name anyone, but we had names that everybody knows. And so that was really cool for me as a, as a young uh, um, person uh, to, to see all these people, to interact with them, to talk with them. 
and um, that was that was just fantastic. And to to see all the stories that happen in hotels, you know, um, history is made in hotels. That was one of the slogans of the hotels where I where I worked. Um, and it's true. If you think about all these heads of state coming together for meetings, well, those meetings oftentimes are held in hotels. And we at the front desk were right at the center of it. That was just awesome. Um, and How since then, you? oh, uh, I was in my 20s. <laughs> I don't, I, to be honest, I don't recall the, the um, exact age. But um, no, I was, I was in my uh, 20s. Um, that was, that was a long time ago. And, uh, I have since then, I'm now not interacting so much with, with the guest anymore. Um, which is a shame, but, um, you know, it, it's the way uh, life goes, but I really enjoy now to, to be at the back of the, the hotel to, to talk to people, uh, hoteliers from all over the world. And, um, that's kind of the, the journey that I made um starting uh in in operations starting at the front desk and then uh progressing uh, through the years um moving at the back of the house uh, and I, I landed in revenue management which is absolutely my passion um well, i was gonna and... say when did you make that transition when did you <clears throat> start crossing over from front of <clears throat> excuse me sorry front of house into the back of house well, it, it always was somewhere present um, from the very early stages on. We were one of the hotels that at the time already um, had a revenue manager um, and um, he was absent for, uh, for an extended uh, leave. Um, and in that time, um, because I understood technology a little bit better than maybe others and, and was interested, um, and, and, and worked a little bit more structured maybe than, than some of my other colleagues. Um, I took over the, the operational side. Um, so the loading of the rates and, and managing inventory and things like that, which at the time there was no channel manager um, that was in Europe. So we probably had, I don't know, uh, 20 different uh, extranets to manage. And those were not the fancy extranets that we know today. Those were terrible, terrible systems that were super complex to, to maneuver. Um, and, and, and really, um, it, it has changed so much uh, over the years. Um, so that was my, my first touch point and that kind of awoke my interest. And I was able to, to uh, join my GM uh, a little bit later um, at a conference um, with, with all the, the group's uh, general managers um, to, to uh, attend basically a, a two-day conference uh, on revenue management, which was led by the founder of uh, Ray Tiger, Andrew Morsi. And uh, that was just an eye-opener that really uh, wowed me when I learned about yielding rates, when I learned about upselling and all these things that are that are still so important today. Um, and yeah, that was what sparked my interest. And then in, in 2009, I uh, took on my first role as uh, property revenue manager. Well, and, and you had to figure out a lot of like your own systems. It sounded like, like you came into a prehistoric, like dinosaur operation level of, of revenue management. And now you've like incorporated your own systems. And uh, I guess you could say like technology, what was like, the, what was the initial start of that? How did you figure that out? Like what in your head was like, I'm going to start changing how we're doing revenue management. Well, 
When I uh, worked for a, a Scandinavian group in Brussels as revenue manager, I was I was very junior, my first role, and I was very lucky to to have a great mentor at the time, a uh, very experienced revenue management professional. Um, and um, what we what we decided uh, for the group was um, about half a year in that we're going to build a cluster for all the hotels. And that was, again, a great opportunity for me to learn because now I was working every day, sitting in the same office with people who were more experienced than me. So I could just learn every day. And it was, it was fantastic, amazing. Um, and a little fast forward back in 2012, um, my, my uh, wife and I decided to move to Canada, where, where she's from. Um, and um, I, I started working as a property revenue manager again um, for one of the hotels here in Ottawa, fantastic uh, property. And um, that was kind of uh, a shock awakening because I was used to all this fancy technology that I had at my group in, in Brussels, um, revenue management system, good PMS uh, and, and some other really cool tools. And then I came here and the PMS was a cake. Uh, it wasn't even a PMS that was intended for, for hotels. It was more intended for cruise ships initially. Um, Which doesn't make anything easy for anybody. No, it was, it was, you know, it was not intended for, for a hotel of the side with 300 plus rooms. And, um, you know, on a cruise ship, you're not having daily check-ins and check-outs and all this stuff, obviously. Um, and, and the way how your rates are managed and all that is very different from hotels. So uh, it, it really, it didn't help us in, in our productivity, not just on my end, just to give you some, some idea to, to, to save a rate code. So just changing a rate and, and saving the rate code, loading a contract rate, for example, corporate rate or something. It took 45 minutes for that rate to be saved while the entire hotel operations was slowed down for everyone. So if I loaded rates, it had to be coordinated with every other department. It couldn't be during the check-in or check-out uh, rush and things like that. And that was insane, um, you know, at a, at a hotel of that size where you have potentially hundreds of different contracts that need to be loaded. Um, so was, even was that really like yield management in general that you and I both understand what yield management is and what it does. And like, that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of time to wait for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, uh, the biggest, the biggest, uh, or one of the, the, the big, um, time consumers was that I had to prepare uh, a lot of reports every day, um, for other departments, for, for myself, um, and it took, uh, on average, I guess, at least half an hour a day to to put all these reports together. It was not rocket science. It was nothing complicated. It was mostly copy-pasting of, of things. Um, and I realized, you know, all the information is in the computer. Why should I then type it in again um, or copy-paste it? That doesn't make any sense. If it's in the computer, it can be automated. So how do I do that? I don't know. Well, let's find out. Um, and that's when I had this this really big game-changing moment uh, for for me um, when I realized, hey, uh, I can learn and teach myself uh, programming. I can automate the whole process. And instead of sitting down uh, half an hour every day, 
I click a button, takes me three seconds. My reports are done, emailed out to everyone. Um, I analyze the reports, I don't create them. Um, and that gave me a huge competitive advantage over, over other hotels when I could just dive into it. Well, that's what a revenue manager, yeah, that's what a revenue manager should do. And not just, you're not, uh, you're not a receptionist who should be dialing in numbers and, and doing all the stuff. You are an analyst, you're a strategic analyst that is supposed to implement strategies in order to best execute profitability for the hotel. So to me, that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. And, and, uh, it really, it, it worked very well. I was, I was able to, to, um, to, to ask a lot of questions and, and, um, really understand much better, um, why things were the, the way they were, um, and how to optimize them. Um, and at some point, uh, we were able to transition away from that archaic PMS. We went with, a um, uh, a much more potent PMS that that again was a, a huge eye opener for me when when I realized the um, cross department uh, increases in productivity um, that that was massive. So we had, for example, we had an overflow call center um, where you know phone rings nobody's able to pick up because everybody's already busy. Um, the call was forwarded uh, to to an overflow uh, call center, third party call center. Um, and after implementing that PMS, that overflow call center volume dropped by 90% within a week. So it's not that we didn't change anything in strategy or, or in, in the ways how we operated or anything. All that we changed was the technology we worked with that was just faster and yeah. better. And so that really showed and, and, and proved um, how important it is for hotels to make sure that the technology they use is up to date, that they that uh, um, the implications were massive. Not only did we have ROI, which we had calculated an ROI of this uh, over a three-year period, we had it after five months. That's and that's that's a that's a it was a it was a big investment, um, of course, uh, buying a PMS uh, and. and Nowadays, that's all legacy technology, but still, that was a huge investment. Um, a lot of commitment from ownership, a lot of commitment uh, on our side. Uh, and after five months, we had ROI um, because we were able to optimize the things the way we, we had done them. Uh, so um, big, big uh, learning uh, experience for, for myself and, and for the company. Yeah, because it comes down to your operational costs and, you know, I hate saying it, but time is money. And if you're able to save a lot of time and headache, the, the more you're able to save, you're, the more you're able to do in implementing your business and getting it more improved, um, especially as a team, I think that's really important. I'm pretty sure you've understood that from your time at the front desk and just understanding that it's not just a revenue managers or revenue strategists or revenue analysts who's making the money. It's everybody involved, whether they're their housekeeping metrics, their maintenance metrics, or the front desk being able to understand why it's not good to go below a certain rate or how to do upsells and, you know, get everything um, like create packages and to be really thinking more than just room revenue um, or food and beverage revenue or whatever uh, department they're in. I think that's pretty, pretty huge. Yeah. It's, it's, 
is extremely important that everybody, first of all, in the organization understands not just what revenue management is, but what it actually means for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge disconnect because most people that I talk with still today um, that are not linked to one of the, the departments that are connected with revenue management, um, but thinking about housekeeping, for example, uh, kitchen, they have no idea what revenue management is. Um, and, and one uh, example was at, at one hotel where I worked, um, we had a new controller coming in. And uh, one of my colleagues from, from one of the non-room departments asked me, hey, uh, how's your new boss? What new boss? The GM didn't change. I reported to the GM. Mm-hmm. Well, the new controller, how is he? He's not my boss. <laughs> I have nothing to do with that. So um, the the level of of um, lack of knowledge goes down to that level where the people really they don't know what revenue management is, and and that's somewhat uh, a mission of mine <laughs> to change that um, to to educate what is revenue management, why do we need it, and how can anybody in the hotel participate on some level. Um, in in improving the revenue and ultimately the profitability uh, for for the hotel. No, I totally agree. And I love that. And I think it leads perfectly into like the next question I kind of had for you as uh, a two-parter question, really. But out of your whole journey, did you like running the bigger hotels with, you know, a thousand plus rooms or the smaller hotels and why? But then also my, I guess, like part two, part three would be um, where does the term non-traditional revenue manager come from and what does it mean because what you're explaining and kind of goes into your whole business and and brand so i'd love to love to get your thoughts and hear what that means absolutely um i don't know uh if i would say i like the 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 smaller hotels or the bigger hotels i realized at some point that i enjoy working with independent hotels be it uh, the truly independent family-owned business or family-run and operated business or, or an independently-run um, uh, hotel um, uh, or, or even a smaller, smaller group. Um, that's where my expertise and experience was, uh, was in mostly. Um, I had some touch point with brands, but um, what I realize and what I enjoy very much is I like to really see where's the potential of the hotel, that specific property in that specific market. Because every hotel is different. Um, Every market is different. There is no one-stop solution that works for everyone. For some hotels, this will be the solution. For other hotels, that will work better. Um, And uh, especially when it comes to technology, um, be it the the PMS or, or, you know, uh, booking engine or uh, revenue management systems, all these these different pieces of the hotel tech stack. Um, some will work better in one hotel than than in another, and it it comes down to the hotel. It comes down to the people that are involved in the organization. Um, what is the optimal choice? And that's why I would say. Um, uh, I enjoy working more with independent hotels. Um, non-branded hotels because there we have the flexibility to to select the tech stack that works best and uh, to implement the strategy that works best to do the marketing that works best um really targeted and customized for that individual uh, hotel 
Yeah, and you're able to tell the story a little bit better, I think. When, when like nothing against branded hotels, because that's where I started was with the autograph collection um, under Marriott. So like I get the brand and like you can really execute well on that. But my favorite times were working with independent um, companies or properties or like you said, mom and pop type ownership. Um, one of my favorite ones actually was on the Oregon coast. They had a brewery. Um, it was called uh, Public Coast. And the reason why is because the whole Oregon coast, 362 miles, is public and open to everybody. And I just thought that was a cool story that you could tell to the guests and to the experience. And when you're trying to create upsells, whether it's like a beer and wine package or whatever, you're you're able to tell something really cool and explain you know, the reason why all our guests are able to go to the beach and have bonfires and create memories and moments with their family and have s'mores and get chocolate and, you know, uh, marshmallows all over, all over their face and, and whatnot. Uh, it, it was just a cool reason to, to explain the story. And I think when it comes to independent properties like that, it's more fun to get creative and, and tell that story and get really excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, one of the, the 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 things I enjoy is talking about the content and the story that we can tell uh, for for a hotel for the people that are working there and, and the guests that come there. Um, with with branded properties, oftentimes you don't have that possibility because you don't even have a real website. You have a page on the brand website, um, and and you cannot even really impact that page that much. While at the at the independent, well, you make it however you need it to be. Um, and that's just just fantastic. And that's a way how you're able to stand out from the crowd, which is super important, which is going to be more important than ever in the months uh, to, to come. Um, and that's kind of to answer the second part of your question a little bit where, where that term non-traditional revenue manager came from. Um, it was coined by a former GM of mine who described me that way in an interview. Um, so, so, uh, I learned about it when I read the article, um, and, and I looked at that and said, non-traditional revenue manager. Well, yeah, that kind of describes me. Um, I'm trying to do things differently from the others. I try to stand out so that my hotel stands out from the crowd so that it can be found, that people can relate to it. Guests can relate to it. And, uh, and ultimately book the property, uh, helping us to, to improve our revenue. Um, so I was all about that with the, the, the different means that we have, be it on the strategy side, uh, be it on the technology side. I think that we need to be very creative um, in, in how we, we run the business and what we need to do. Um, and, and there's a lot of opportunity out there uh, and we just have to take it. See, that's what made me want to connect with you even more on LinkedIn when we actually initially connected because the non-traditional revenue manager and then like the more I dove into it and what that meant and like how that looked, I was like, dang, this is what I was doing. This is what I was trying to push with my uh, GMs and owners that were saying, well, this is how we've done it the last 20 years. So we're going to we're gonna keep doing it this way. There's nothing you can do to change it. I'm like, but there's so many things that go into it. And like, granted, yes, I was very young and passionate, but I still understood the concept of getting outside of the box and getting creative and having fun and implementing strategies with the team in order to execute what we're talking about in our revenue management meetings. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, if I think about a, a simple strategy, 
uh, and the way how oftentimes it is done still today is, uh, and that's one thing that we have seen, especially now with the pandemic, um, one hotel drops the price and then the next one follows and then the next one follows or the other way around. Unfortunately, we have not seen that really that much in the last little while is if somebody increases the, the, the price, then others may follow as well. Um, that's to some level basic yield management. It's not revenue management. It goes goes much beyond that. But just thinking about you know how do do most hotels implement or, or, or come up with their strategy? They shop the rates. Um, they look the length of stay for one night and they see where the others are at, and then they decide what price they want to sell it. Um, while the average length of stay in many destinations is far above one. Maybe it's uh, in the realm of two nights. Um, I had one one uh, property that because of the strategy that we ran, we had a decent ADR, but our length of stay was um, almost three nights uh, in, a, in a market that knew an 1.8 average length of stay uh, overall. Um, and it was not a long-term property or, or, or anything. It was just a, a normal city kind of uh, hotel. Um, it just goes to show how much um, the strategy matters um, when you when you're not doing the same thing that everybody else does. Is everybody else looks at the length of stay one, look at the length of stay two or three or four, and 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 figure out how to be competitive there if you if you're looking at, at price. Um, but I think we we need to overall move away a little bit from that whole price discussion, especially right now when prices in, in many destinations are at the bottom anyways already. Um, we're, we're, we're dropping further is, is no option. Um, uh, we need to, to come up with ways how can we add value. Um, and I think that's where the, the discussion is going to shift over the next, uh, yeah, next little while, let's say. Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because you and I were both in a clubhouse room with... Um, Stuart Butler and the Hotel Fuel Marketing Podcast people, and they're talking about there's no more guest loyalty. Like guest loyalty is out the door because a lot of people haven't traveled in the last 12 months. They're not no longer saying, "Well, that that was our traditional you know hotel to go to every year." Now it's, "Oh well, I'm working remote. I'm going to go next month to this place and stay there for a week and come home and go to this place next month and stay here and come home or whatever it may be that there's a certain situation." And it, I think what you said is super important because we no longer have that ability to say, well, let's just do an e-blast and, and we'll get, you know, all our repeat guests back or whatever. Like you have to really fight for that new customer acquisition cost that we don't know what it's going to be yet. Like we don't know what our customer acquisition cost is going to be now, in my opinion, at least. Um, I want to know more about like what your thoughts are with, with that whole segment, but also going back to what you were saying and how, um, you know, taking that length of stay and getting that um, length of stay higher than your competition inside the city or destination you were in. What made you guys get that higher length of stay compared to your competitors? We had the better rate strategy for multiple uh, length of stays. Like I said, everybody is always looking at the rate shop report. And um, that specific example was the first time that I saw that. And, and I've seen it over and over again. That were was still in the, in the days um where you know your rate shop was an email that you received once a day in our case because we were lucky once a week in the case of many others um so 
that email showed you the, the length of stay one rate. Of course, nowadays there are, there are a lot of fantastic tools available uh, at, at very low cost um, that allow you to see rates for uh, multiple length of stay uh, scenarios. Um, and it's essential that, that people look at that and, and see, well, you know, they, they may be selling uh, at $150 for one night, but maybe for two nights, they're, they're on average, they're selling at, I don't know, $100. Um, and there's huge opportunity in that. Um, looking at the different scenarios, you need to look at uh, length of stay patterns just as much as arrival patterns and all that and come up with the ideal um, segmentation mix um, for, for all these different factors to, to make sure that you're uh, protecting your shoulder nights, to make sure that um, you're not selling out too soon on the days where, where, where uh, you can sell out. Of course, those are not uh, things that we will we will maybe see in the immediate future, but at some point we will again. We need to be ready for that. Uh, so we need to get ready for that now. We need to make sure that um, we have the, the strategy in place, that we have the technology in place, that we have the people in place to, um, to manage the demand when it comes back. And we'll come back. It will come back slowly at first. Um, but it will come back at, at some point, very much will depend on the market, uh, the country, um, freedom markets and so on, um, and, and ultimately also the, the property. Um, but what is more important than ever, and I said that before, is now we need to stand out from the crowd because when demand returns very slowly, um, the only opportunity we have to grow is to gain market share. There is only so many people that are going to come uh, to that destination we need to maximize um, how many we can get from from uh, those travelers uh, at our property, um, and so uh, being positioned um, in in a way that lets you stand out from the crowd on the one hand, but also making sure that that your your revenue strategy is is correct. That is absolutely essential right now. Well, do you think we're going to have seasonality like we used to? There's always going to be seasonality, um, but it maybe looks differently than, than what we experienced in the past. Um, it very much will depend on the market. You know, in, in, in the resort and beach destinations, you will have a seasonality geared more towards that kind of traveler. In the ski resorts, you will have, uh, of course, more winter, winter uh, heavy demand. Um, and... Uh, the cities will very much depend on what market it is, what city it is, how how that is going to to play out. I think that there will be uh, a shift in demand, or that there is potential for shift in demand, um, that we that we um, you know uh, when when Easter in one destination was weak, maybe it will be strong moving forward. So these historical um, know how that we accumulated um, and and. Uh, that revenue management oftentimes is, is based on the, the historical data, well, that's a little bit going out of the window. So we need to uh, make sure that we keep a very open mind um, to what could happen in the future, very close eye and all possible kind of trends, scenarios, um, starting from events that, that can happen uh, in the year to come, in the, in the two years to come, um, down to, well, how was our pickup in the last couple of weeks? Um, so we have to come up with entire new ways to, to define our strategy. Um, maybe a little bit less 
um, looking at the competition, more looking at uh, our, our own performance and, and things like that. Um, yeah, that's my, my thoughts. Uh, that's good stuff. That's really good stuff. And my, my question going back in, because you're talking about uh, the travel demand climbs and yes, it'll be slow, but it will happen and it will, we need to be ready and we need to prepare and have the tech and have the people and the proper strategy in place. What can we do today to better, you know, build profitability on top of handling a pandemic and everything else that we're, we're going through right now as a hotel industry? I think we need to be, first of all, very mindful that however the future is going to play out, it will be different. Um, Stuart Butler, whom, whom you mentioned, I don't know if it was in the clubhouse or on the, the podcast, but he, um, he said, yeah, we're not going to a new normal, we're going to the new abnormal. And, and that really resonated with me because it's absolutely true. It won't be ever again the way how it was. Uh, just thinking about corporate demand and, and um, congresses, events, meetings, that will change. And even if it comes back at some point, it will be different. Like you said, you know, there will be a lot of uh, companies and, and we see that everywhere that companies cut down their, their offices. Um, I, I uh, talked with uh, one business owner um, the other day and, you know, they're closing their office um, and they're not coming back to it. They shut it down. Remote work forever. Yeah. Um, and, and it's nothing new, really. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I talked with uh, one of my uh, LinkedIn contacts. Uh, it was in 2019, end of late 2019. And we were working on a, on a project together. Um, and uh, it was all in writing, you know all the time we just coordinated everything in writing and then one day we wanted to set up a call um that was the time when i realized he was sitting in thailand um well so uh i i didn't i didn't even know where where he was based right yeah so um it's it's of course nothing new uh and i have done remote work for many years now i have worked in my home office for many years um but now everybody's doing it and so that will, that will, for a lot of people, that will not change. So the, the whole um, corporate travel scenario is going to change. Uh, you can't just pop in a city and meet somebody because they're not even working there anymore. So um, it's uh, wrapping our hand around that is, is going to be a, a, a huge challenge. Um, and we just need to be ready. So we need to shift our mindset. Um, but that lack in in uh, corporate demand, which sustains a lot of the, the city hotels, the lack of group demand, which will take a long time to ramp up again. Um, it it means that um, you know uh, we need to transition away from the the um, mentality that we are uh, turning away business uh, as revenue managers uh, to a mentality and mindset where we need to go and find business and find opportunities. Um, and we can maximize the trends and opportunities that we have already, but we need to do more because it's not enough. Um, so we need to really go out and, and become hunters uh, and not, not gatherers. Um, so I think that shift of mindset, that is important. And this change of ways, how we do things, that is important. Um, and we need to um, 
on the other hand, make sure that we stand out from the crowd. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, that hotels, uh, guests, potential guests can find us, yeah. that we provide them with the, the, the content that, um, that allows them to really understand uh, the destination, understand the product um, and, and get them excited for it. So marketing, the way how hotels market, um, you know, in the past it was often, hey, 20% off, 30% off, 40% off, 50% off. Um, yeah, that's not marketing. That's maybe advertisement um, and it's not working. We need to really, we need to add value. We need to provide content that that is, is fun. It's exciting. And, you know, we're, we're hotels, we're hoteliers. Um, it's very exciting to travel. Yeah. And we need to, to communicate that to, to uh, our prospects and, and future guests. Um, and then we need to make sure that we have the right technology in place to help us achieve that. Um, be that... Uh, starting on the website, things like, you know, a live chat to allow them to quickly interact with the hotel, uh, not to call the phone where, especially now, I only have one operator who is able to pick up the phone. Yeah, what if three people call at the same time? Well, two of them are going to go somewhere else. Um, a live chat will help to, to manage that, even with, with uh, less people. Uh, Chatbots are even, even more, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, helpful there. Yeah. Um, we need to make sure that we have good booking technology in place. A good booking engine uh, is, is, is really important um, because otherwise the people will come because we do great marketing. So they will come to the website and then they go to the OTA and book there. Um, but if they go to the OTA, not only do we have to pay OTA commission, but then they have all the other options there. Maybe they won't even come. Uh, well, had we done a better job on our website to convert them, they would never have gone to the OTA uh, and booked there and not gone to the hotel across the street. So that's again, one of the things we need to stand out. We need to make sure that we gain market share. Um, so having the right technology in place uh, to, to do that, um, to, to, to capture guest information, to uh, personalize our, our offers uh, to the guests, personalize the content that the guest sees when they come to our uh, website. That's all, you know, if we, if we go on Amazon, uh, it's exactly how it needs to be. A lot of the, the, the things that, that we, we uh, observe on Amazon, that's exactly how we need to, to approach it as well. Um, you always get served the products that you're very likely to buy. Well, we need to offer the content, the, the, the products to our visitors, to our website visitors that they're more likely to buy. Um, we really need to, to get our conversion uh, figured out. Um, that, that is absolutely key. Um, and then we need, of course, the right, uh, the right strategy itself. Um, how do we sell and what do we sell and, and where do we sell? Um, there are a lot of fantastic uh, business intelligence tools out there that allow us to, to find that information and to aggregate that and to, to, to read it, to understand it, to draw our conclusions. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of work. It's going to be very difficult, but it's very doable. And I always say it's actually a great thing that it's difficult because when things are difficult, it means that most people won't do it, which makes it easier. Yeah, for us because you you will do it exactly absolutely yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I like that too. And it's like, there's rooms to fill and memories to make is what my kind of like go to saying would be is like, there's rooms to fill and memories to make. So yes, it's important to think about the, the revenue you're making and the strategies you're implementing and the marketing you're doing and all these things and where you're advertising and how you're advertising, and you know, at what price, but understanding that, um, the little moments that we can execute on daily, we have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of them in front of our faces, uh, Granted, maybe not exactly in person, but we have the opportunity via you know, live chats and all these other things that you've been talking about to really make something unique and special, not just automated, automated in a good way. There's automation to help and speed tasks up that basically are a consistent task, but to go out of your way to do simple things such as create a memory or a special moment for people. That's, that's where we, again, like you said, you know, we have to do something different. And that's one thing I think if hotels focus one on the, you know, the five blocks outside of their door, they're the community themselves and really embrace the community and make this a place that people can staycation at, whether they live five minutes down the road or, or five States uh, away. Like the, this is something that we want people to, to understand that this is a community center. This is a place for people to build memories and moments, but then also that, you know, we're, we're not just selling a, a Facebook post for 20% off a, a room rate or we're, we're selling something pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, I like what you said. Everything just kind of like resonated really deeply. Um, I have one last question for you, my friend. And it's kind of like a shameless plug opportunity. Uh, where can people find out more? Because I, I love the, the, just the, just the broad mindedness that you have with, with how you think about revenue management and experiences and, and, everything in ho hotels and hospitality is just really incredible. So I want to give you the opportunity for people to, to go find you and to even work with you or connect with you. Yeah, you can, you can just uh, Google me and you'll come to my website, christophotter.com um, and uh, find all my contact information there for anybody who wants to reach out uh, directly. Uh, or uh, of course, uh, LinkedIn is a great place to, to find me, to follow me there, um, connect with me there. Um, I'm always happy uh, to chat about our industry, chat about revenue management, the struggles that we have today, um, the technology that, that is out there. Um, I'm, I'm always happy to help where I can. Um, I love this industry. I love the people of the industry. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough time that we are all going through right now. Um, and we, we all have to uh, look forward see the light at the end of the tunnel we can see it it's there we cannot yet grasp it 100 percent, maybe but um it's there and times will be better um but now is the time to to do something about it so if if anyone listening uh, has any questions on on what they should do today then just connect with me and, and let's have a conversation do you see yourself uh, being on Clubhouse a lot more in the the near future, or is that something that you're still kind of playing with right now? Just a fun um, question. Well, it's it's uh, it's something that that I'm uh, playing with a little bit uh, right now, just to to find out what is there. Um, there are some interesting uh, networking opportunities that that I had already. It's a different audience. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, it's 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 not the same audience that that I find on LinkedIn. It's a little bit different uh, people. Uh, hospitality on Clubhouse is still a little bit um, underserved, I think. 
there's not a lot of um, uh, yeah, there are not a lot of rooms out there. I see it's growing a little bit, so there's more and more. Um, but yeah, uh, well, let's, it's still in its uh, infancy, so that's it's very exciting. Let's change that then. Let's do a couple of rooms together. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, all my Slick Talk listeners, I will tag everything in the show notes here for you to find Christoph, his LinkedIn, his website, all the good stuff, and. If you're ever on Clubhouse, you can probably find us in there. We'll try to do a live like Clubhouse uh, stream or something. It'd be really fun. Uh, Christoph is like again. It's been super awesome to finally connect with you. Um, it's been a long time coming. COVID nineteen and the pandemic itself just definitely, I think, postponed this uh, more and more. I think we were actually supposed to meet in April, um, and, and yes. do it, yeah, and that's when I got called up for the National Guard, and it was just kind of a whole mess, but. Uh, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. And like I said, all my listeners, we're going to tag everything in the show notes and you've been listening to Slick Talk. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple podcast, and Google podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Podcast.